I want to be open to criticism, and if my yum happens to be a heroin addiction, you can yuck all over it, but that's not really what this feels like it's about. I just don't want to be part of that great sucking void of nothingness. I told you I was confused. So what about you? Do you have a yum that gets yucked? Or do you yuck other people's yums? Wiener dog. Short shorts. Cigarette. Welcome to Earbuds and Earworms. I'm Amy. Wait, what's this show about Shepard? And this is... <laughs> Mitchell Manley. The other side of the... The, the rest of the story. The <laughs> devil's story. Okay, Bob Edwards. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. But um, yeah, so this week's episode, uh, you're the one who are, who is like, hey, um, we're going to be doing uh, like Devil's Advocate of Good Songs, I believe. And who did yeah, that yeah. come from? Uh, our, our, yeah, our ear buddy Christopher Lovelady uh, sent me that. He said that uh, I think one of his kids or somebody was listening to the violent films and, you know, of course, uh, most people who are into good music appreciate the violent films, but they're definitely a band that you could probably criticize pretty easily. And so he thought it was a, a pretty interesting idea to, like, take something that's actually totally great and play devil's advocate for it and and talk about why it sucks instead. And so I thought that was kind of a clever thing. And, you know, even if you simplify it into just roast your favorite song... <laughs> I'm thinking maybe if we can get the ear buddies on board for this, I really think it, it has potential to be a good recurring theme where you just take a song that you like and then just roast it. And I think a lot of the ear buddies did a good job of that this week. <laughs> I think so too. Um, I'm really excited because there's actually a lot of really good music here, except for mine. And um, I did not bring Night Nurse. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah, we could have talked shit about that one all day. <laughs> Mitchell, what song did you bring? I'm going to start us off with Why and their song, Gemini, Birthday Song. Today I fell asleep in a bath of hair. Hair that once sprouted from my own white, wet chalk follicle. I swallow a coal and follow my breath. And I did it with the grapefruit, so thinking of you. Faith shaved in oil, your legs are too skinny dolphins swimming. Between the mattress and the layers of bedding Turning in your drug dry sleep When I ask you to kiss my pulse You offer to start the shower I want a verb and you give me a noun What do you dream up while I tongue you down? There was a hawkeye in the subdish laminated in my singing this song whenever I think of the, the power of perspective and taste in music. Uh, in my late teens, I was getting super into Y, and uh, so my girlfriend at the time was also super into them. And so her mom, who, in her defense, is totally into, like, cool and unusual music anyway, but she heard this song and was just, like, laughing at how absurd and mundane the lyrics were and just couldn't believe that we enjoyed it. And, like, I don't typically give much thought to, to lyrics a lot of the time anyway, but I started to think about the lyrics of this one, and, yeah, he's, he's totally just singing super mundane shit about, like, clipping his toenails and going to White Castle and falling asleep in the bathtub. 
and all these like weird and specific but super mundane lines and i just remember her mom even like making fun of it by just singing about random stuff in the room to the tune of the song just in this hilarious disbelief at what we were listening to uh, and of course, like whenever you listen to the song in its entirety, and especially within the context of, of wise music being very confessional and a lot of his lyrics are, are very oddly specific. He's kind of painting a picture of like starting out as a kid with very little self-awareness and then you grow up and you learn more and then you become more self-aware and with that self-awareness comes self-consciousness and anxiety and so he ties that into some other cool themes along the way in a really neat way and so taken within the proper context this is this brilliant and poetic song but to my ex-girlfriend's mom it was just a really weird song about a guy clipping his toenails and eating white castle well i'm a massive fan of like mundane stream of consciousness lyrics like so much it's like totally my jam my toe jam you're welcome. Toe jam. <laughs> yep. Um, but seriously, it is kind of like a super bold move to start out like a song by talking about clipping your toenails because I found that almost revolting. Like it was so gross to me, like this concept of this guy like clipping his toenails in like bed. And that's just, Ew, please don't do that. Like clip your toenails over the I like the, trash the lyrics can. are that he's, he's clipping, the, clipping his toenails into the room. As in, like, he's just letting his toenails fall onto the carpet, and he's not, like, throwing them away or collecting them in any sort of way. He's just clipping gross toenails into the carpet, which is, you know, that's fine, however you live, but... It's horrifying. (laughs) That means he he doesn't seem like the guy who does the vacuuming. That's why it, like, grosses me out, because that means that, like, I'm going to have to do the vacuuming, and it's so gross. But the song is really good. Um, It does evolve, and it's just about you know, boring, weird stuff, but how, like, your life kind of evolves, and it's kind of like like a love song, because he's talking about, like, having legs in your sheets, and I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's kind of sweet, and I really liked it, um, even though I think he's a revolting person for talking about clipping his toenails, and they're just flinging off into the distance, and I just, you know, I got to cope in my own way, and that was really, 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 <laughs> really, really gross. <laughs> um, so I brought... Hannah Diamond's attachment. This is such a weird, funky song that I've been trying to cram in for a while because I have a whole playlist of songs I'm trying to use all the time, and it hasn't been perfect for anything. So here I am shoehorning this in because I want to share it, but also admit it has some shortcomings. I'll straight up admit that this doesn't fit with my normal tendencies because I cannot hum or sing along to this because there's some straight up weird rhythm things going on and it's 
possibly kind of EDM-y. I'm not sure. Um, the fat beat thing is something I love, but also something that in my jank car sound system annoys the crap out of me. Like, you have to have, like, really good speakers for this to sound good. And then, of course, like, the, it's got this very high-end stuff going on that's extremely tinny. And if you're not in the mood for it, it can, like, totally grate on your nerves. And everybody in the YouTube comments talked about this being the downfa downfall of pop music because everybody's making their music on their PCs. Right. I can totally see that. <laughs> uh, this one definitely has a, a lot of those qualities that I'm not really into. Uh, it definitely feels very overproduced and very plasticky. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of humanity to the sound or the feeling, the vocals. They're not like gratuitously uh, auto-tuned, but I'm pretty sure that they're auto-tuned about as much as you can get without <laughs> treading into that like T-Pain share territory. And it makes things sound kind of fake too. Uh, it almost sounds like the, the lilty music that plays when you open one of those musical jewelry boxes and like the super high notes that she hits sound really childlike and kind of grating. Uh, but for all the stuff that's wrong with it, it's still super catchy. And that super fat beat that drops in definitely kicks the song up several notches. Makes it sound more like, uh, you know, a cool pop song rather than just kind of music boxy jingle. But yeah, it definitely sounds very, very plastic, very fake, very uh, overproduced and in the box. Doesn't really have the humanity that I would normally want in music. But perhaps that's the intention is to to make it very synthetic as opposed to human. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's sweet, but it's like very, you have to be kind of expecting those sounds. And it doesn't, I mean, to me, it doesn't sound like it was made on a PC, but I don't know from music. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, maybe GarageBand had something to do with it. Not quite sure. Ear Buddies, um, they have a lots, uh, they have lots to say about many, 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 many things that they love. And so I'm really excited about this. Um, our first ear buddy this week is Jenny, who brought Descendants Hope. Why can't you say you talk to me? You're already thinking about someone else. When it comes home, your bed is on and I'll be gone. But I know my day will come. I know someday I'll be the only one. So now you wait for a spark. You know it'll turn you on. He's gonna make you feel the way you wanna feel. When you start to lie, when you make you cry, you know I'll be there. My day will come. I know someday I'll be the only one. Call me selfish, call me what you like to think is right. You want someone for says this is one of my favorite pop punk songs i listen to it hundreds of times and it's two minutes one second of time that never gets old uh that being said hey hey dude maybe she doesn't like you because you're a whiny little bitch who's just pretending to be her friend so you can get in her pants also because i'll have my way you won't have a say anyway sounds hella rapey maybe you should call a therapist maybe i should call the police what the hell are you learning at that college anyway milo um yeah, I love pop, uh, like bless pop punk's little bitty heart for making such short songs, um, for my short fucking attention span these days when like, yeah, t 
time is a construct as Mitchell reminded me when I was like I'm kind of nappy I need to take a nap and he and Mitchell's like yeah it's a construct but um super catchy super rapey like dude like I cannot tell you how many times someone has wanted to date me but pretended to be my friend thinking I would eventually run out of people I wanted to date more than them and yeah that's kind of super punk uh it's super fun to listen to but also like super filled with sad boy inui 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 whatever it is it's fun to write (laughs) it's a lot of loops yeah yeah so, yeah, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I feel like we've talked about uh, the Descendants and their lyrics before and how they didn't quite age as well as the, as, uh, the Descendants might have hoped. Uh, it seems like a lot of their lyrics have some kind of entitled incel vibes uh, and they get a little slut shamey, which is not good. Uh, and the thing is, like, I was, I was once a, an awkward, lonely dude who was, you know, disheartened by seeing girls that I liked dating dudes that treated them like shit. And if the if the incel movement had been a thing when I was a vulnerable teenager with low self-esteem, it probably would have been much easier than I care to admit uh, for me to sympathize with the incel thing. So a song like this totally would have hit home for high school Mitchell, unfortunately. But luckily, I hit a critical point somewhere along the way and realized that, you know, maybe the problem wasn't women choosing other dudes over me. Maybe the problem was that I had no self-confidence and, you know, didn't do a great job of taking care of myself and I was too shy to shoot my shot and you know maybe the problem wasn't that they were choosing douchey chads over a nice guy like me you know maybe the problem was that I was being like so overly kind and accommodating to everything that a pretty girl said to me and like never really stood for my own opinions or offered my own original thoughts uh, in a way that you know expressed I actually had a personality and interesting things <laughs> to say so you know I, I know that uh, Milo has since acknowledged that some of their lyrics are a little problematic in retrospect and that's positive growth uh, but even if they don't play it live anymore, that song is still out there and it's promoting a certain mentality to young punks who might stumble upon it. So I, I just hope that we're now woke enough as a culture that this song can still express that like disheartening reality of, of unrequited crushes, but maybe without the incel dog whistling. Yeah, like I found that about a lot of my high school music that I used to listen to. It's like, oh, you won't date me. I'm so upset about it. And and like, I maybe someday you'll see that I'm the one for you. How problematic that has been throughout like time. Like nobody, de- nobody deserves to be dated. Does that make sense? <laughs> like we, we God, all. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. You're not entitled. Yeah, don't be entitled, like, don't think that you deserve to have, like, a partner in life. Like, I feel like most of what we have to do is, like, work on ourselves before maybe something works out. But I find that even in our 30s, there's dudes who are just like, nobody will date me or I only date, like, garbage people. And I'm like, mm, let's let's just focus on being happy on ourselves first. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I get all preachy for somebody in a long-term relationship, <laughs> don't I? <laughs> um, our next ear buddy is Justin. Well, I'm sure you've had to deal with a lot of bullshit. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next ear buddy is Justin, who brings Kids See Ghost free Ghost Town Part 2. He lit me up every time that I fell. It set me
Justin says, this fits the bill. It's an absolute banger with a message of being free through self-actualization. But it's freaking Kanye and I hate him. Dang. Justin, that's so absolutely correct. An absolute masterpiece of a song, but it's freaking Kanye. Like, why does it have to be him? Why why does he have to make songs I like? Because he truly is obnoxious. And it's like the worst part of any Kanye affiliation is actually Kanye. Yeah, I'm with that. Um, I actually had no idea that Kanye and Kid Cudi actually collaborated. And, of course, as you would expect, it's actually really, really good. Uh, and, yeah, nothing makes me angrier, angrier than, like, total assholes that are undeniably good at a thing. It's just so infuriating because, like, I'm a sweet, personable dude. And, like, I have a cool set of talents and skills. And that's served me well. But, like, in so many cases, I see people who are incredibly talented and just, like, way better at a thing than I am. Yet they're totally arrogant pricks about their skills. And, unfortunately, it kind of seems like that arrogance just kind of goes hand in hand with being exceptionally talented. Uh, to be good at a thing, you have to practice it and I think that people are that are more prone to arrogance or narcissism are more likely to keep doing a thing even if they're bad at it you know because they can convince themselves that they're good at it and ultimately that extra flight time and that like refusal to acknowledge their shortcomings is what keeps them going and essentially they fake it until they actually make it and then when they're actually genuinely good at it and start getting that positive attention it creates this sort of narcissistic feedback loop where they think they're the shit and then someone tells them that they're shit and then they you know after a few loops you've just got this monster like Kanye on your hands uh, and yeah I can, I can give or take Kanye's lyrics usually but god damn it I just I can't deny that he is a legendary producer his his songs just sound so cool and su- super unique and characteristic to him so I can't take that away from him as much of a dick as he is that's the thing is like he's he makes so much music I like but why does he have to be Kanye it makes me so sad <laughs> our next year buddy is Ben with A.V. Tear and Panda Bear's Spirit They Vanished Ben writes, Real Ben, this song is beautiful, and I love that once you've beat the challenge of getting past the high frequencies, you're rewarded with such a vulnerable-sounding, gorgeous song. Episode Ben, if they want people to listen to it, why mask it in feedback loops? It's almost like they're afraid someone would actually hear the song. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is actually the first collaboration from Avi Tear and Panda Bear, and 
Though they released it under those names, it's regarded as the first Animal Collective album since every collaboration they did since then was under the, under the moniker of Animal Collective. Uh, and there, there are a few bands more divisive than Animal Collective because not only is their music really obtuse, it's intentionally obtuse. And like, it's not like your standard death metal band who are just like writing a particular style of music that happens to be aggressive and, and unlistenable to people who are uninitiated to that kind of thing. Uh, the songs here could work very well as, as, you know, more straightforward folksy songs. And they could even get away with like the ambient textures, but the presence of that like unrelenting high pitched frequency and, the unsettling use of, of noisy loops kind of shows that there's some intention to be obtuse and unlistenable to a majority of people. Uh, but ultimately, as Ben says, there's something so rewarding and, and vulnerable behind that noise. And I think that discovering that for yourself and like having to wade through the muck and kind of acclimate to some degree of tension and discomfort makes the song even more effective. Uh, it parallels a lot about real life and that the truest rewards usually lie behind something uncomfortable or like initially off-putting. And we have to like put ourselves in, in a state of, of vulnerability and adaptability to really get the best things out of life. And I think Animals Collective, Animal Collective's music is, is no exception to that. I just like their music. I don't know why. I, maybe it's because I knew that that first album that I heard was that, um, what was it called? Merryweather Post Pavilion. Yeah, and that was their most listenable one. And so Correct. that yeah. was my entry point. So I was willing to like give them like some extra cred with that. But this is, it's that constant buzz, um, while can be annoying, it's it kind of adds the slow movingness of it all. And also, um, I think I might've been primed for this one just because I like a lot of Velvet Underground and they have that like tone that goes underneath the mm -hmm. music, even though this feedback is like over top of the music, like they're trying to hide and you have to like dig to find that, um, that song. And I have no idea what they're singing about. I have no idea what the lyrics are because <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to know. Maybe you're supposed to look at the like notes or something. I'm not sure because I can't, can you tell what the hell they're saying? I can't remember what they're singing about, but uh, it's probably some weird cryptic shit. We'll, we'll definitely get into Animal Collective's weird-ass lyrics here in a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, our next ear buddy is Craig, who brings Envy's Statement of Freedom. The fucking audacity for a band to release an album in Japanese. I don't care that this band is, in fact, from Japan. America is the oldest and greatest country in the world, and any band should respect that and release their music in English. President Benjamin Franklin is rolling in his grave because of the lack of respect. 
The song even has freedom in the title, and America invented freedom. Because of this band's grave disrespect, I give it two thumbs down. So perfect. I know. <laughs> Craig really got the, the gist of this. Um, yeah, I nailed it. I understood the words of this, though, but um, it, it kind of sounds like Thursday, if Thursday was Japanese and less screamy. Um, mm-hmm. It's super enjoyable, but they ain't speaking the one true language. So, yeah, I got to agree with you, uh, with uh, Craig here that um, they just making up them words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very tough. It's very tough for me to criticize Envy because I do love them so much. Uh, but aside from not speaking speaking the good Lord's English, uh, some of their songs are very melodramatic sounding. And I think uh, in those instances, I'm probably grateful that the lyrics are in Japanese because I just know they're singing about some mopey sad boy shit. And for the sake of this theme, I'm going to pretend like mopey sad boy shit isn't my absolute jam because it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if we're going to take them down, uh, if we're going to take them down a notch, the, the dramatic talky parts probably aren't as dramatic as they want it to sound and it's distracting because the music is really pretty sounding but the vocals are harsh and that's kind of confusing I, I, I don't know I'm done talking shit Envy just fucking <laughs> rules and like they've been around since the early 90s and steadily putting out new music uh, if I'm being super purist about it uh, they're they are what is rightfully referred to as screamo and then you know what hot topic kids call screamo is just whiny baby music <laughs> but since since screamo is a bit of a loaded term these days, I'd probably call them just one of the best and most consistent post-hardcore bands ever. They're such a heavy and emotive band, and, and few bands blend that heavy and harmonious in the way that they do. Just a great band. Yeah. I really, like, I, I'm actually really excited to, like, dig into them, even though this is definitely not something I can sing along to. Uh, or I'll sing along to it, and I'll, I'll sound like, um, there was one time I was in Austria, and somebody was driving in their uh, convertible and they were singing along to American song, but they obviously didn't speak English. English, So, yeah. yeah, So they were singing along to it, to what they thought they were. I was close enough to the lyrics. And I just remember being like, wow, this is disconcerting, but they're doing them. So I was like, yeah, I'll probably just be making up words if I sing along to it, but I really, really like it. Our next ear buddy is John S., who brings Animal Collective's Peace Bone. John S. says, Disclaimer, I love, love, love this band's early to middle output. I stand just about everything they released between Sung Tongs and Fall Be Kind. After that, they got meh, in my opinion. Sadly, I think it's because they stopped getting ferociously stoned in the studio and on stage. But that's just like my opinion, man, and I'll never look down on anyone for doing what they need to do to straighten out their lives. All that being said, they really need to hire a lyricist. Most of their lyrics are attempts at surreal profundity, 
but they sound like something a fourth grader would write. For every beautiful gem that matches the emotion their music is able to conjure, there's usually in the same song something that will have the listener scratching their head in bemusement and muttering, what the fuck? Luckily, the music is so affecting that you can pretty much ignore the lyrics, like with Brian Eno's pop work and John Lennon's drug-induced whimsy. I'll give one quick example from the song, Peace Bone, from the second verse, I believe. While half of my fingers are dipped in the sand, you progress in letters, but you're used to cooking broccoli. The other side of takeout is mildew on rice, and an obsession with the past is like a dead fly. What the shit, dudes. That's definitely something profound there being said about an obsession with the past, but I'll be goddamned if I can tell when you <laughs> tell you what it is. <laughs> they talk about broccoli. And, like, I don't like broccoli that much, so that's my big, like, concern is, like, I don't like broccoli. Um, Dakota covers the broccoli with something that, I, look, he has this, like, Julia Child recipe, and he makes the broccoli taste really good. So I like that type of broccoli, but most of the broccoli sucks. So just because um, this song mentions broccoli and I don't like broccoli, I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and give it, like, a, a you know, what, two thumbs down? This is also a good 16-bit song, which, <laughs> yeah. It's like a 16-bit song, like, met with the 2000s with maybe some Tiger Roars. Yeah, there's this song, This album actually has multiple Tiger Roars in it, so it's <laughs> funny that you mentioned that. Uh, I do find it hilarious that Animal Collective uh, has made it onto our list twice this episode, uh, but it's also just, like, undeniably appropriate. Uh, I thought they were stupid and annoying the first time I tried to listen to them, uh, but eventually I found a song that hooked me in. And because part of their ideal is wanting to be, you know, weird and unsettling and non-traditional, uh, they've kind of become this prime example of a band that's easy to criticize and shoot down. But once you've let your guard down and, and you know, you can actually engage with what they're doing, it's tough to deny that there's actual brilliance and intentionality to, to what they do. Uh, like John said, their lyrics are often very weird, lots of word salad that kind of treads a line between abstract poeticism which is like far removed from the personal and then these sort of inside jokey personal references that might be so personal and specific that the listener has no real context to even draw much meaning from those bits in isolation but yet somehow that poeticism like combines with the authenticity of the overly specific references and just somehow creates this really subjective medley of words and phrases that you can attach a lot of personal meaning onto because you know when they're kind of jumbled up like that you desaturate the words from their traditional meanings and you're able to blur and and blend the various meanings and attachments that those words would normally have you know and make this new poetic painting of words so like from a from a critical standpoint if you're trying to read animal collective lyrics on some sort of tangible literal level within the context of like standard idioms and cliches it's going to sound like really bad magnet poetry probably but when you get rid of those sorts of constraints and like let animal collective define their own parameters and and create their own framework for the metaphors and and creating the imagery it's just a much more rewarding result i think and rar. <laughs> Rawr, yeah, yeah. there's so many I, I think they even have a song called we Ti we tigers or we are tigers or something like the the, the weird cartoonish tiger roar is definitely a thing that that av tear does a bunch yeah i love it like it's absolutely perfect um our last year buddy islam who brings turnstiles real thing
Lum says, While my heart of hearts, I'm a purist and love traditional U.S. hardcore more than anything. Also love and embrace every sub, sub, sub genre. That being said, how dare you go and mix hardcore with the sounds of 311? Fucking gross. Amber was not Ian McKay or Henry Rollins' color. Also the video. Like anyone who has ever watched actual... What? Also the video. Like anyone has ever actually watched The Holy Mountain, I give it a perfect 5 out of 7. (laughs) <laughs> um so what does 311 sound like like i'm pretty sure i should know because i dated a specific person in high school but i still cannot like point out 311 at all so i can't figure out what makes this not pure hardcore also maybe i'm listening to 311 and i think that they're hardcore but all i know is they have like that goofy logo and that every single shirt has the same logo that is true um I know how much the people hate 311, and like in in the spirit of the show, I can gladly jump in and make plenty of goofs about how ridiculous 311 is. But it's interesting because I actually like 311 a bunch. I've seen them like six times, so I've got no problem with with anything sounding like 311. But I think the most interesting thing to glean from all this uh, is that a lot of the bands that that Lum is crazy about took influence from some of the same bands that 311 took influence from. So you take a band like Bad Brains, for instance. Bad Brains was a huge influence for 311, but also a huge influence for the more traditional hardcore that came after. So you get these two completely different camps of music that are emerging from a common influence of Bad Brains. And then to like fully round it out and bring us home, Lum brings us Turnstile, who are all these like fairly young dudes who I would imagine actually grew up listening to 311 and the more traditional hardcore. So they're making this brand new synthesis where where two sounds drew influence from Bad Brains and then ended up sounding vastly different. And then Turnstile takes those two vastly different sounds and combines them again and makes, you know, hardcore Voltron, essentially. Uh, and I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. But... I mean, I think that this just point out that we can all talk shit about like all of our favorite bands. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, it's there's always something to criticize. Yeah, and I can I mean, I love some pretty horribly gross music like that people hate. Like um pretty much anything on top 40, I find very listenable, like super listenable. So, I can like talk shit on that all day. Um If you want to have the unpopular opinion and talk shit about amazing bands that are beloved by all, uh, you can tweet at us. I'm at Pow I Gotcha. And I'm at Madam Woolite, and the show is at Andy Pod. You can join the Facebook group and contribute to the show each week, Earbuds and Earworms podcast group. And the voicemail line is... 731-400-BUDS or... 731-400-2837. 731-400-2837. You can email us show andypod at gmail.com. And you can also see me just like absolutely struggle with how the internet works every single week when I try to make the website work. andypod.com, part of the 10710 network. What is our final song this week? All right, I'm going to leave us with Mates of State and their song Fluke. Uh, Mates of State's a very divisive band. Uh, their album Team Boo is one of my favorite records of all time, but uh, one of my friends like hates them and actually gave me a list of reasons one time that he can't stand them. And I have to say that I agree with most of the things he said. I just like happen to like those things instead. Um, you know, Mates of State is a two-piece. They're just keyboards and drums, and both of them do vocals. Uh, they have very poppy music, but the keys are usually very sharp, aggressive organ sounds or kind of grating synth sounds that really cut through and like grab your attention. Uh, they're not typically soft sounds that blend. 
And so that can get very grating very quickly. Uh, the two vocalists create some gorgeous harmonies, but they're often very shouty as opposed to more traditional melodic vocals. And they also do a lot of counter melodies with one another, which in layman terms means they're just like constantly singing two completely different things, but at the same time. And that sounds beautiful in classic in like classical music, but can be kind of cringe inducing in indie pop. Uh, my friend said it sounds like two insane people just yelling nonsense at him the whole time. And to be honest, I kind of see it. But somehow, despite all those elements, I just find Mates Estate to be adorable and endearing. So, uh, yeah, let's see where the ear buddies land on this one with Fluke by Mates of State. Yeah. 